Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Once again, everyone, it's a pleasure to have our friend and colleague and comrade on with us from PressRun.media. I hope you've had a chance to subscribe by now and support independent journalism, just like Make It Plain. This is all independent journalism. His journalism, though, is journalism about journalism, and it is fearless. No other way to describe it. Our friend Eric Bollert back with us again. Hey, buddy, how you holding up in the in the pandemic and everything? Uh, good. Everything's good. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, when this all started, we all thought, we were all told, you know, this was going to be a bell curve. And right. bell curve for everywhere on the planet except here. And it's a bell curve in New York, which is nice. It's a bell curve in New Jersey and Massachusetts and Connecticut. And, but boy, you look at those graphs and you talk about, a, you know, you talk about where the United States is now. And you talk about, you know, you and I have talked about, others have been much more aggressive talking about this war Trump is waging on this country. And yeah. that COVID chart says it all to me. That just, that just says it all. It, it does. It's, it's scary with the help of these governors. Yeah. Um, and this argument that 
well, there are only so many more cases because we're doing more testing. Right, right, which is a joke. Which is an admission. We really would want, we really would rather cover this up. Yeah. You know, right, and it doesn't, and it doesn't talk about the, uh, the obviously the number of testings doesn't explain it. And down in Florida, DeSantis is now is 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 grasping, and he he's putting everything on the death the death rate. You know, it's yeah. only two percent. You know, it's it's lower than other states. You know, as I said on Twitter, we'll, we'll check back in two weeks and see. You know, if your entire defense for rushing to reopen, did you see yesterday his uh, Florida uh, um, Education Commissioner signed right. an executive order. Right. All schools, private, public, must open full in person by mid-August. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, that's you know for DeSantis to now hang his hopes uh, on the death rates not so bad when they've got eleven thousand new cases every day. It's it's amazing. And, and Republicans want to show up a couple weeks and have a convention in Jacksonville. Jacksonville is actually one of the top five or ten hotspots in the entire country. And and a couple of the older senators are saying they're not going. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> you know, as I said, I, I'm not even sure that convention is going to happen. If it does, it's going to be Tulsa, too. I mean, it is going to be the saddest yeah. collection of half-filled, empty arena that, that we've ever seen in American politics. Well, here's the other thing, ladies and gentlemen. And for those of you Republicans, just a word of advice. Uh, it's not going to be a contested convention. You already have an, an, an unopposed nominee. Right. Why go and get COVID for that? For the dear, right? It's for the dear leader. It's all, right? There's no, there's no functioning reason to have a convention. You can do have, you know, yes, there's platform stuff and you, you can do all of that wherever you want. The, 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 the convention is astounding. Uh, New York Times reported um, the Republican Party spent already raised and spent $40 million on the Charlotte convention that is not happening. There's gonna be a couple backroom meetings still in Charlotte. Charlotte says, you're not having a convention here if you're not gonna social distance, no mask. Uh, Republican party then goes and finds Jacksonville. They spent $40 million on a Charlotte convention. It's not gonna happen. They have to start from scratch to raise money for Jacksonville. It's supposed to be in like three weeks, four weeks, you and I have been attended conventions. I've never worked on one. These are things you plan 18 months in advance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The logistics, the hotels, the transportation, the, the, the agenda, the speakers, everything. They don't even know what they're doing and it's three weeks away. I'm fascinated by it because the, to me, it's such a, a, um, an anecdote. It's such a, a, a view into a political party that has lost his mind and can't even do the simplest things like have a convention or cancel a convention right, right. because the dear leader uh, demands that he stand on a platform somewhere this summer and, and accept the nomination. So at least 18 months. Oh. So, you know, the parties pick the cities, you know, sometimes even a couple of years in advance. Sure. So this is just really insane. Right. Um, and but they want to have this fiasco they want to risk people's lives i think that speaks to 
what he's been consistent about and people's yep. lives. Brittany Cooper, Dr. Professor Brittany Cooper has a term that she's been using a lot lately called uh, necropolitics, mm. um, which is really the politics of, of death. Yeah. And, um, you know, bargaining in terms of, of, of sort of a triage politics, I guess, what lives matter. And I believe whether, well, you know, and we'll get to our favorite subject, the Bellway Media, they won't reveal this. Right. But as much, and I'm going to talk to you about Russian bounties too, but I'm sure someone in one of those White House meetings, Eric, has gone on the record at some point and said that if this virus kills people, at least it will kill some of the people also, they will vote against Trump. We don't like you know. It, it, it's like if you're in a war, right? And that first flank glow goes out. You right. know, some of them are going to be sacrificed, right? For the whole uh, uh, offensive that day, right. and I'm sure this White House has taken that into some type of consideration in ignoring, yeah, the dangers of this pandemic. Well, we certainly see more and more evidence that it's affecting people of color medically, just uh, let alone economically. Uh, It's absolutely true. Look, you know, in in March, I was talking and writing about how Trump gave a stand down order for this virus invasion. And uh, it's absolutely true. Front page of the New York Times today. uh, Talk about the massive shortage of testing. Uh, It was either Phoenix or another city. They opened for testing. Uh, 8 a.m., within five minutes, they were out of tests. Had to send everyone home. Some cities, people are waiting eight or 10 hours. So this wasn't the White House failed in March and April, and they've scrambled, and they figured out what they're doing. They have never wanted to figure out what they're doing. When you're waging war on America from within, your plan isn't ever to help. It's to let this thing run wild. We still don't know why. He's doing this, but there's no question. He gave a stand down order uh, and, and, and we're, we continue to see the effects of it. And as you say, we'll talk about the press. The press still doesn't really want to grapple with this very dark realization of what's happening in this country. This isn't incompetence. You know, in April and May, there was a lot of press stories about how Trump had missed the warnings about the pandemic. You know, he doesn't really read the briefings. And the suggestion was, if he had focused on it, we'd be okay. If he had focused on it, there would have been a different uh, government response. That's, that's, that's a fantasy that the press wants to advance that, uh, you know, he is a rational person with our interests at heart. And, you know, if, if, if he can just focus, we'll be okay. That's, uh, oh. he, he's not going to focus and he doesn't want to help us. That's the bottom line. And we know how he dropped the ball. Because Every possible way. Yeah. When Obama left, oh. I mean, he was so against everything Obama did. Right. And I don't think we've ever heard about a presidential transition. Quite like that one. Where a pandemic was center stage in the transition. Right. I mean, that was pretty serious. I mean, we heard a lot of, but we never heard that before. Right. And Obama administration say, look, y'all, something is out here. We need to get ready for it. This is a possibility going into 
you know, this this new decade or what have you. Right. And, and we and we built his infrastructure. Here right. it is. And right. Trump does what? Just shuts it down. Shuts it down. So let's just want to stay on this for a minute. Let me just go back yeah. for a second. There was also reporting that in one of the early meetings with Fauci, he did he not say, did Trump not ask, can't this just wash over the country? Do you remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm still unclear about what that meant. Did that did that mean just let it have its course? Yeah. Or, or what is that? What the, is that? What wash over means? Well, I'm, I'm sure he has no idea. But <laughs> the, the, you know, the SARS wasn't a. I don't know if it was technically a pandemic, uh, but that actually happened, right? They were working on a vaccine. We had we had uh, a lot of deaths. We can't. We couldn't contain it. Obviously, nothing to the magnitude of this. Uh, but it shocked everyone in that it, it eventually did disappear. Every expert who looked at uh, COVID said from January to today said, there's no way this is going to be a SARS-2. Again, I don't think Trump even knew that, but that was the notion that like, somehow got in his head that it's kind of like the flu. He's still saying it in July, right? He's still saying, he told Fox in the last uh, three or four days, it, you know, it'll disappear. It'll disappear. So again, that's what surrender looks like. That's what, that's what a, a stand down order looks like. The mayor of Phoenix said, uh, I, I need help from FEMA. FEMA said, no, we're, we're, we're out of the COVID business. I.e., we're good. You, you know, we're, we consider it over. <laughs> so you have government agencies that are telling municipalities that are, that are uh, suffering through hotspots, we're not going to help you. That's not incompetence. That's not distraction. That's a conscious decision by the federal government to stand down and, and watch this thing ravage the country. And again, we don't know why. We may never know why. We may never know why. Trump does so many things that he, that he does. Um, we don't know why. He has never condemned those Russian bounties from, from a week or two ago. Yeah. He never once said, if it's true, you know, I condemn it. Uh, he, he wouldn't even do that. Um, doesn't make sense. Would he have lost if he had just said that? Yeah. Who in his constituency, right. Eric, would have voted against him for saying, if it's true, this is bad? If his constituent had won the Kremlin, right. No, it, so none of it <laughs> makes sense. And it's all, you know, it's 2020. This isn't two weeks after the election where people are like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embrace this conspiracy. And I think, you know, so, you know, I think this was all an international... We have the evidence for four years of what's happening, and and the, and the press still wants to talk about. Well, you know, he, he's kind of distracted, or still. I mean, there was a CNN report yesterday. Oh, you know, the you know the White House aides are are coming up with a new pol policy about masks. Okay, this this is literally 20, 20 weeks late. There is no functioning White House uh, as a. You know, Jay Rosen, the New York NYU media um, professor, has talked about for a long time. There is no White House. There is no functioning White House. Right. DC press clings to this notion, right, that those West Wing halls are filled with activity and the best and the brightest of the Republican Party, and they're having meetings and they're talking policy and agenda and they're whispering to Trump's ear and they're and they're concocting these great plans. And and the entire White House is this madman tweeting in the dark. There's no but the 
but you know, I think news outlets don't really want to acknowledge that. They want to prop up the idea that uh, it's eccentric, but it's still a White House. You know, we still talk to aides off the record. They're working on things. You know, they, they understand what's going on. They're going to try to turn Trump around. You know, they think they can do. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know, I was talking to someone else this morning, Eric, and I think, too, it's it's emblematic, not just of the Beltway press, but there's this this culture, this mentality politically in America that there has to be two things and they have to appear to be viable. So and I and I and forgive me, but I'll even criticize Obama somewhat. After 2008, James Carville sat in my studio and decreed that the Republican Party could just be vanquished. Uh-huh. I, my response to that was, well, people have a problem that need to understand that the Democratic Party is actually several small parties in one. That's why we never right. get along. Right. African Americans, women, black women, labor, uh, students see, I mean, you could break up the Democratic Party like, you know, the telephone company was broken up and we'd have a right, multi-party right, right. democracy. But the Obama administration felt is, and they admitted they read Lincoln. We're students of Lincoln. And he didn't vanquish the Confederacy, oh, yeah, 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 punish yeah, yeah. them. Right. We brought them back. Right, and right. You see what that caused. So now you've, now we're fighting about taking down Confederate statues that never should have been put up in the first place. And it's still a Confederate electoral college system that the Supreme Court has held up this week. Right. So the Confederacy, even though it lost, it's still around. And the Electoral College is emblematic of it. So it's, it seems to me it's sort of the same thing with a flailing White House. We've got to present, and when I say we, I don't mean Eric and me, y'all, but I'm talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. this meeting. But we've got to present that there's something here that it's an alternative and it's some, and it's like, it's all made up. You're right. I'm willing to bet you, you can hear a rat pee on cotton in the hallway of the white house. I bet you it is so quiet in there and nobody knows what to do. Any average person is probably looking and trying to figure out, do I start looking for a job now? What's a stupid question. What job am I going to hear back from first? I'm sure they've already sent, (laughs) <laughs> resumes out do I risk finding another job by staying in here another day um, and it's also an unwillingness the, the 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 party that that started with Gingrich and continues today and we see it on the hill is a party of literally not wanting to work oh yeah you yeah. know there was a little child children's cartoon the pirates who don't do anything <laughs> this is the part they don't want the government so they literally want to get paid a taxpayer salary right to not function and produce yes. and the beltway press won't cover that either right and then they can say look you know the government doesn't work and and, and sow the seeds of discontent um but uh yeah you know th- th- there's uh the, we've talked about how this is the most clearly the most radical president in american history in terms of the power he is he is uh assumed uh and the press just never so he came in with this radical approach obliterated shredded every possible protocol not just dealing with the press but the entire federal government 
And the Beltway Press didn't react in, a, in any radical way at all, at all. Uh, and so he comes in, changes everything, rips it up, attacks them, et cetera. And, and they're still going to use the same mechanisms that they used to cover Obama. <laughs> you know, uh, They're going to talk to aides off the record um, and, 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 and things like that. So it was a complete failure. Uh, it, it's 2020 and this summer, I mean, Trump is, is really doubling down on the racist stuff on the Confederate flag. Uh, and you know, the New York times, um, what was the headline yesterday? Trump race base appealed to white voters, uh, just a total gobbledygook, uh, cause they won't, call, you know, they won't call him uh, a racist. Um, you know, I turned on CNN racially tinged, racially, uh, inflammatory. Uh, we're still doing this. This is 2020. He is a proud racist. I mean, you cannot view this any other way. These are not things that slip out. These aren't things where, you know, the New York Times editors always said, well, I can't really read his mind. You can read his mind. He's tweeted 100,000 times, 50,000. I don't know how many times he's tweeted. That's all his mind. He doesn't try to hide it. You know, this isn't a dance he does with anyone. He is just a stone cold racist, a white nationalist. Uh, and for the press in 2020, uh, you know, Soledad O'Brien uh, yesterday made fun of, you know, the Times headline. And I responded, I, you get the feeling the press is just running out the clock on all of this. You know, they're not going to call him a liar. They're not going to call him a racist. They're not going to call him a white nationalist. They're not going to question his mental stability. They, they don't want to make those tough calls. And they, and they just want him to leave the stage. So they never have to. And I guarantee you, if Joe Biden make something up, he will be called a liar in February of next of year in, yeah. in the White House. No question. Uh, so I, I feel like they, you know, they've made this bizarre euphemism decision to play these idiotic word games. Uh, they're not going to, they don't have the courage to change now. It is going to get so much worse between uh, July and, and November in terms of the campaign. Uh, Trump is going to run in terms of just guttural race. Uh, and they're, they've made this deal with the devil, literally, that they're, they're just not going to be accurate and they're just not going to describe what they see in front of them because they're too nervous about offending a Republican president. You retweeted Jennifer Rubin, who wrote phrases such as racially charged, racially insensitive, yeah. um, should be dropped from journalist lexicon, raised racial tensions is devoid of meaning. What happened to the to the AP style manual? Yeah, I mean, we, did, we need a style manual on this. Well, they did it. They they addressed this last year, and and okay. the AP style manual, which is what the Bible that every newsroom in the country uh, follows, um, they very clearly said if if something is racist, if if a comment is racist, if a tweet is racist, say so. Drop these euphemisms. Now they said we're we you know we don't think you can you know they they. They said, don't really call people racist because that does go to motivation. But if someone says something or someone does something, call it what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I thought that was very interesting. And they specifically were talking about getting rid of these euphemisms. Um, and obviously the number one person that applies to is Trump. But it's been a year since the AP changed their style guide and there's been virtually no change. Uh, so that's why I really feel like uh, the press is just, they've dug this hole willingly and they're just going to stay in that bunker until November of, uh, until election day.
and, uh, and but here's here's another point. And people say, well, why does it matter? Why do you, why does it matter if you call him a liar? He's not going to stop lying. Why do, why does it matter if you call him a racist? He's not going to change. Uh, and, and the argument is this is a, this, this is a, just a semantics argument. It's no big deal if we call him a racist. Well, if it's no big deal, then call him a racist. Prove it. <laughs> you know, you can't say it's no big deal, but we're not going to do it. And secondly, we have a we have a violent white nationalist movement in this country. And we have seen examples where they have taken inspiration from Trump's own rhetoric. So it's important to call him a racist and, and not dance around it because we have, you know, how are we going to stop this white nationalist terror movement? And that's what they are. They're terror cells. If we're not willing to call the leader of the movement a racist. So it's not just a semantics and it's not a partisan debate. There are, there are long-term, um, uh, implications from this, uh, and it's important. That's another reason why it's important for journalists to be accurate in their descriptions. You've also called out the coverage of the Fourth of July weekend, um, Mount Rushmore total yeah. debacle. Yeah. You wrote CNN labeled the address as impassioned. Yeah. Uh, the Associated Press, which you're speaking of, yeah. reported Trump was merely offering a discordant tone. Um, um, uh, uh, the P Politico, yeah. Oh, Trump seeks to claim the mantle of history and fiery Mount Rushmore address. U.S. News and World Report: President Donald Trump delivered a fiery speech in Mount Rushmore. The New York Post: Trump blasts left-wing cultural revolution in fiery Mount Rushmore speech. Trump salute to America features fireworks, fiery speech. The Voice of America. So did a memo go around for everybody? Fiery. <laughs> that's been a very that's been a lazy crutch for at least a year now. Divisive, fiery. A, as I point out, it's not even accurate. That speech at Mount Rushmore was the opposite of fiery. He was catatonic. He was listless. He was slurring his words. He got almost no reaction from a die-hard crowd that was willing to risk its health to show up. It was like a funeral. I mean, it was so low energy, it doesn't even begin to describe. So right out of the gate, fiery is an absolutely false description. It's just not, that was not a fiery speech. There was not yelling, there was listless beyond. Secondly, more importantly probably, it's just a lazy crutch. It's just a lazy crutch. That was a frightening, authoritarian, borderline racist. His speech on Saturday was openly racist, I felt like. The, th the Friday night speech was dangerous. He was uh, uh, suggesting sort of a demonic liberal forces that want to basically brainwash your kids and, and overtake corporate America. Uh, basically, you know, urging civil revolt uh, in, in a civil war. That's not fiery. And he looked uh, unhealthy to say the least. I mean, he was slurring his words. He was a very strange pale of kind of sweaty orange. Any other president who, who appeared like that in public and spoke like that in public, having just had trouble walking down a ramp, that would, if this was Joe Biden, 55 stories every day, 55 stories every day. What is wrong with Joe Biden? He, he's not functioning, he's not, he can't speak, he is listless, he can't walk. You and I both know, you and I both know. Hillary Clinton fainted uh, two steps or, or stumbled two steps on the way to her SUV during the campaign. And, you know, that was a 14 day story.
And she remember even before that she leaned on a, a patio chair. Right. And they said it was a walker. Oh, they yeah. cropped it. Remember, right, even before right. the, the thing. Are, are we still seeing as many stories about Dems in disarray too? That's less because the you know the press does worship poll numbers, uh, and these poll numbers are. I don't think the press is really being uh, truthful about what these poll numbers suggest. They are astonishing. We have not, we have, you know, even when Jimmy Carter lost in a landslide <clears throat> to Richard uh, to uh, Reagan, we didn't really have as much polling. That it kind of came as a surprise on election night. Not that he lost, but that he lost like he did. This this is shaping up to be something like that. If these poll numbers are accurate, um, you know. And, and again, nobody should go to bed uh, confident based on polls in June and July. But, you know, Trump trailing by, you know, eight points in Florida. Um, so to go to your question, the dens and disarray, those articles have withdrawn because it's really difficult to, to prop that beloved narrative up uh, when Biden you know, if you go to RCP and look at the polls, he, he has led in something like 67 straight polls. Uh, it's hard to, it, it's become almost impossible. They did it as long as they could until about two or three weeks ago. They, they, the press uh, laid into the idea that Biden was running a bad campaign. He was locked in his basement. Uh, Trump was stealing the show and all of that. Um, so we're seeing less attempts to, to, to tell that story just because the poll numbers are at times just shocking. Lastly, though, let, can we reconcile um, the New York Times, you know, cutting him a lot of a lot of a pass, but they still broke the story on the Russian bounty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so is 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 the New York Times newsroom bipolar or just oh, what, I think there's always it, it's peculiar to me what exactly they're Oh, it's very peculiar because, you know, 90% uh, of the New York Times is great. You know, the business, you know, the business staff, the Metro, you know, it's the D.C. Bureau. And yes, I understand some of the national security staff is within the D.C. Bureau that broke the Russian. But I'm talking about the politics White House campaign. That's the pro That's always been the problem, uh, the cultural problem at the New York Times. That small but very influential part of their newsroom uh, they they represent basically all the problems. And so, yes, there is great, uh, uh, amazing uh, coverage of Trump. There can be from, uh, from the New York Times. Usually it's entrepreneurial and investigative, uh, like the Russian bounty story. Uh, but that, that, none of it springs from kind of like the, the core political team and certainly doesn't spring from, you know, the White House team. Or, or folks who cover the campaign. So that's always been their Achilles heel. If, if, if their campaign and their White House coverage, not just talking about Trump, but for years, was as good as the rest of the paper, New York Times would be unbelievable. But there's something weird in that DC Bureau, Dems in disarray, you know, Republicans are always outsmarting Democrats. Um, that, that, has been their, that has been their telltale for at least since the 90s. Yeah. And it's obviously passed down from generation to generation because the, the, the same New York Times that was nailing Hillary, Bill and Hillary to the cross 25 years ago, those people aren't there today, but they're still, they have picked up the culture. They have picked up the culture. Yeah, yeah. 
folks, once again, support independent journalism. Eric Bollert's pressrun.media. Check it out. Um, so, and, and I'm telling you, it's therapeutic because it lets you know you're not crazy. Okay, good, good, yeah. We don't need that in, in this. It's, a lot of us are still locked at home and, you know, cabin fever and everything. So to convince yourself you're not crazy, subscribe <laughs> to pressrun.media. Uh, if you would, please, ma'am, please, sir. Eric, always great to talk to you, buddy. All right, have a good week, my friend. All right, you too. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.